Lyanna could have been a king, of her the poets sadly sing. In winter deep she's doomed to die, stabbing giants in the eye. Hi, I'm Jack Snefflin, I'm your host for Gratuitous Thrones. And I am your co-host, Alex Greyhawk. Also, joining us this week is... Hi, I'm Mike Knoll, host of the Equalizers and a study in Granada. And I guess my intro is there was a great toy, lost his dong, and Theon was his name. Oh, T H E O N, T H E O N, T H E O N, and Theon was his name. Oh, we're very different people. <laughs> so, the king is dead, long of the king. The queen. <laughs> yeah, long, long of the queen. My friend Ian messaged me and was like, well, Arya is the king now. There's no need for more episodes to prove that. I mean, I'm waiting on your neighbors to come over and yell at you for the enormous cheer that erupted from the room as <laughs> Arya stabbed the Night King. That was so cool. I don't know why I paused there like, ooh, should I say the spoiler to the people who are listening? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Spoilers for uh, episode three of Game of Thrones season eight. Once again, assume spoilers for the entire series. <laughs> assume any triggers yeah, that are appropriate. No. <laughs> also, I really hope you saw the episode before I started thinking about Lyanna dying, but... Eh. Where do we want to start with this one? At the beginning? Yeah. Okay. With Melisandre showing up? Well, I, I wrote down about the Dothraki horde falling, the cinematography of that, where she lights all their kopeshes on fire, and then they charge into the storm, and you just see the lights flickering out, like almost oh, one by one, and then so en masse, good. and there's only like six of them that you can see fighting. Mm-hmm. And like <sighs> Even before that, this episode grabbed me, It's it starts off so so quiet for a battle episode usually Mm -hmm. they're really loud and chaotic and we had parts of that but we also had just these huge long stretches of almost complete silence well and even the loud i say in quotes battle scenes were like really muted like normally i am like riding the volume button on battle scenes and on this one we pretty much let it ride throughout from quiet to battle scene like it was just very quiet all Mm -hmm. the way across I like it as the silent creep of death mm-hmm. as this m- metaphor for the army of the Night King. And it, it worked so well and it contrasts so immensely with every other battle scene that Game of Thrones has given us. And I mean, the storm also theoretically drowns out sound. Like it makes sense logistically in universe, but also it's a good device to use for this. The storm, just no one can hear you scream. Yeah. Let's get back to Melisandre, because you brought this up last week, and I'm like, I don't think she's showing up, and you know what? I should not have doubted you. So we made potentially bingo cards for who we thought was going to die, and I didn't think of putting, putting Melisandre on until like right before the episode started, I'm like, oh, I should have put Melisandre on here, and you're all like, no, no, don't be silly, and then, I'm Melisandre, I'm all work on this, she actually has a significant presence here. She is the one who blesses all of the Dothraki weaponry so they can not have dragon glass but still kill the whites and have them die. The dragons are supposed to light this trench around Winterfell on fire, but the storm is so dense that they can't signal the dragons to do so, so Melisandre has to do it. And then she... Or wander through Winterfell, setting up everything into motion to make sure that things go right. You say her presence was a lot here, and I almost think her contribution, but not her presence, because she was where she needed to be, and then you didn't see her again until her next scene. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a clairvoyant Gandalf, like in The Hobbit, where he just like mm-hmm. is gone for a while and then shows up when they need him. It's like that. Like, she knew where she needed to be. Like there's that whole thing where she feels like the Lord of Light is guiding her. Mm-hmm. It really felt like that was a thing in this yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to put it. Like, she's very much like Gandalf. She's where she needs to be and nowhere else. She's never superfluous. Mm -hmm. 
That's so the scene where she's chanting, trying to light the trench is really tense. And I'm like, wow, she's going to bite it right here. I, I love the look. She's, like, she's she's chanting and then a white will get too close. And she'll just kind of like look over at it. And at one point, I just, in my mind, I, I thought, I'm talking. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm talking over here. Like, nearer to the end of the chanting, just before it actually works, she starts to visibly get kind of nervous. Like, up until then, she's going and not nervous until it's like, oh, this might not work. Mm-hmm. I had that with Brienne as well, because Brienne has been throughout like the whole show the upright knight who doesn't break or bend or show fear, really. And Brienne was terrified in this battle scene, which I was like, that almost shook me more than most of the other stuff was seeing the stalwart characters just like absolutely terrified. Yeah, we saw fear on a lot of faces that have never shown it before, like Varys in the crypts. Tormund. Even Jamie, who has been afraid before, definitely had like moments of like desperation and fear. Yeah, and like specifically a very different look than when he saw Bran at the end of episode one of the season. Yeah, the, the Night King's still not enough of a terror to make Bran change expressions. <laughs> I mean, and also Sandor has been afraid before, but like we've got a good like Sandor being afraid of things. This broke Sandor. Yeah. And the thing that shook him out of it was Arya being in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting. As we were watching the episode, about two minutes before Arya shows up near Sandor Clegane, I was like, oh wait, what if the Hound dies saving Arya? That would be the perfect death for him. He ends up saving Arya. Beric's the one who dies, though. Pour one out for Beric Dondarrion. Although I don't want to be like, and nothing of value is lost, but I don't really care about Beric. Yeah, Beric, like, it was somebody we were watching with, I think, pointed out that it was basically secondary characters that bit it. Jorah, Beric. Lyanna. Theon. I'll put yeah. Theon up to Theon. the first character yeah. Yeah. because he's had he's had like narrating chapters I mean, in the books. That sealess character, the Night King. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have any lines. How does he count? Yeah. Exactly. I like <laughs> on a certain level I was disappointed with how sparing they were with character death. Mm-hmm. I think if there was any time to go all out with it, it was here. Yeah. I feel like they're saving the heavy hitters for the personal fight with Cersei, where it's like, I don't want to say brother against brother, but this was almost like a force of nature they were fighting. And once it's people that they know and have known, that personal uh, attachment's being broken and people killing people that they know, I think, is they want that punch, but also it really undercut this whole, like, this is it. If we lose this fight, we lose everything, and only five people died, including the Night King. Uh, six, if you can include Melisandre. That's a good point. So six, including Melisandre. All she does most die is be like, well, I'm done now. I will wander into the West. And be diminished, literally. <laughs> like, back to, like, saving everything for the more personal fight mm-hmm. with Cersei. That feeds into a lot of the overarching themes of Game of Thrones, because this fight with Cersei is petty. It's over who is ruling a yeah. kingdom. Here, it was a fight for the survival of humanity. You, they were literally facing down death. Everything after this is comparatively incredibly petty, and it doesn't matter. I will point out, though, that now Cersei has two armies, and they have none armies. Yeah. They probably have, I guess, the Cranog men who are probably still around, but that's about it. Speaking of petty squabbles over the throne, there was a thing I noticed early in the episode where John and Danny are talking or like they're over they're watching over the fight and Danny goes to get on her dragon and go and John tries to stop her and it's like like let's give it a minute and see what's going on and she just kind of gives him this look and walks away 
And I like the idea that now that she knows who John is, she doesn't want to listen to him because listening to him is like giving into his, yeah, accepting yeah. his, not birthright, but that he has some kind of pull over her yeah. as opposed to like an equal partnership. So she's a little bit higher because she's the queen. But by the end of it, there's a bit where they're like working together to go save Bran. Like I think she also underestimated the the size of the threat and like, oh no, the Dothraki weren't enough. And like, I really was like, that was the feather in my cap. Yeah, like the Dothraki were... Mm-hmm completely ineffective they were taken out within a minute or two as soon as they after the charge Mm -hmm. like we were talking about how sparing they were with the character deaths we Mm -hmm. didn't get the first death of a named character till like almost 20 minutes in Mm -hmm. that was yeah who's on none of our list because we kind of forgot he was a character i mean he hasn't been there for a while he's been stuck at class of black doing stuff i mean we've seen bits and pieces of him over the past couple episodes yeah once john left the night's watch they really didn't give too much of a crap you brought up a really good point alex about how chaotic like they're using chaos in the cinematography to kind of play on how chaotic this battle was and that's a thing that i i I really liked and that it worked but as a viewer it was also very frustrating (laughs) Yeah, and I'm glad that for the most part they were really sparing with their use of chaos. Like, I can't tell what's going on. The lighting is atrocious and it's just undead limbs flinging out towards the people we care about. They never really used it against named characters. Like, it was always red shirts that were getting downed in the chaos. And yeah. like, and you'd see Jorah like calling for retreat as that was happening, but it was never like mm-hmm. Jorah went down in a huddle and then we never see Jorah again ever. Yeah. There are a few characters who I think we maybe might have died we didn't realize but like not like characters who are on my list i don't really care yeah there, we have a few mia characters well mostly animal companions ghost and both of daenerys's dragons are mia it's very unclear whether any of them survived i will say the chaos of the battlefield was realistic but was also not super fun to watch and i wouldn't have minded like one less layer of ice and snow and dark it wasn't terrible but if I have to choose between realism and being able to tell what's going on, I prefer that. So I don't have to feel like I'm constantly working to make sure I know who's winning bingo. <laughs> yeah, we were calling out named characters as we saw them in scene. Yeah, it was kind of difficult at times to pick it out and trying to keep track of who's alive and who's not. It was, oh, Gendry, Tormund, yeah. Jamie, Brand. Like any time a named character's on screen, somebody called out their name so we could keep track of who yeah. was still on their feet. The episode was very kind in that any time like, a named character died, they, like put the camera on their faces, they went, ah. Yeah, yeah. It, it slowed down for those important moments, and I appreciate that. It also slowed down about the halfway mark for the really great Arya horror sequence. Oh my god, in the library? Yeah. Yes. That scene reminded me a lot of the way Arya was hiding after ned's execution and they were looking for her and just thinking back to then and how scared and for the most part helpless she was to where here she's still scared out of her mind she's still surrounded by enemies but she is super competent and her skills she's gathered over the past two years are incredible you pointed this out and it kind of ties in that these are a lot of horror tropes for this and like it was meant to be kind of a horror movie and i like that they play with different horror kind of genres. Like in Winterfell with Arya and all that, it was clearly a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Outside, it was much more, uh, you drew a comparison to Helm's Deep at one point. And it's much more of that, like the orc army or the invading army of just a horde of something. And I like that they played with different types of horror. It wasn't just a straight, oh, there's zombies, here it is. It, they kind of 
moved into space and used the different styles. Like, this is an open battle. Zombie film doesn't quite work as well. And even some of the dragon fights had a certain, like, kaiju battle element early yeah. in the monster movie. Mm-hmm. I think a thing that really helps with that is there are points where the dead army is fast and chaotic and just tearing through the forces at Winterfell. And there are other points where they stop and are staring, like after the trench is lit. And then they slowly, one by one, start trying to smother the flames of the trench to get over. That was so good. So much happened, I forget. Like scenes until we bring them out. Oh yeah, they did do that. They did smother the trench. Yeah. Um, a scene that I like don't want to forget, but I, still, I can remember because I have it written down, but where Arya gives Sansa the knife, and Sansa's like, I don't know what to do with it. And she's like, stick it with a pointy end. Yeah. Good so far, this season has been great with the callbacks to earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. And speaking of callbacks, one that we liked because it broke the tension was Sansa and Tyrion in, <laughs> in the crypts. And Tyrion mentioned something about how, like, he's sorry that they aren't married anymore or something. And Sansa says, you know, it never would have worked out, blah, blah, blah. And then at one point she says, you were the best of them. And Tyrion gives her this look and then goes, what a terrifying thought. And it was just <laughs> so funny. It was like, And it, I think you said it was such a great just like tension breaker after this fight. And I kind of wish that the crypt had been a little bit more of like where we go to break the tension. I get mm-hmm. that like logically it turned into a, almost a murder pit because it's where dead bodies are buried. Right. Yeah. Like I, I would have appreciated like a scene of like Varys talking to Gilly or Miss Anne or whatever. That yeah, Varys and Gilly, a scene with them would have been amazing. Yeah. We did get a little bit of Masande mostly telling off Sansa because she mentioned, well, Tyrion, you and I can't be together anymore the dragon queen is in our way and she wouldn't be able to handle your split loyalties. And then Masande's like, yes, that's the dragon's queen fault. Without her, we'd all be dead and just like storms off. I love that scene because yeah, Sansa's like, it never would have worked out between us for that reason. And I'm just like, yes, that's the only reason. <laughs> the only reason is Tyrion's split loyalty. That, like, there's no other possible way this couldn't have gone well. Okay, so prediction. Jamie and Cersei both die together as... The fans have suggested Tyrion winds up being on the Iron Throne for reasons as the last living Lannister. Tyrion and Sansa remarry to unite the kingdoms. Imagine if. There's also a scenario where Danny's gone. I, I don't know. Danny's fucked off. Maybe she goes to clean up her mess in Essos. <laughs> what mess? She brought them all there. <laughs> wow. So much happened. Yeah, I don't really have many more notes because by this point I was just like enthralled. Oh, yeah. Um, I do want to mention uh, something you said, Alex. You said a lot of good things during the episode, apparently, because we just keep quoting you. <laughs> you're the smart one. <laughs> I'm like the funny one. I'm the sexy one. All of it. Yeah. So you're the Winifred Sanderson. You're the... Um, uh, you're Kathy the... and Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Kathy <laughs> and Jimmy. I'm Sarah Jessica Parker. Anyway. <laughs> I'm cool with being Bette Midler. Awesome. Anyway, sorry. That went off topic. Uh, there's a bit where the night can be just chillaxing and... Daenerys is hitting him with lots of dragon fire, and then John's walking towards that. And I think someone we were sitting with uh, was saying like, uh, "You don't want to walk towards it. That's giant like pillar of dragon fire." And you were like, "No, on this battlefield, fire is the safest place to be," which is a horrifying notion. Yeah. But it's so true, and that thought is just so viscerally like, "How can that be? Fire is one of the most dangerous thing that." mankind deals with on a day-to-day basis and the fact that fire is the safe place here is mind-boggling i like the scene that you referenced jackson because when the fire clears it's burning around the night king and it's very reminiscent of when the cal drogo's funeral pyre burns down and danny's just in the middle of the smoldering oh, heat yeah. with the dragon eggs 
This is getting into like theory crafting territory, but what if before the Night King was the Night King, he was a Targaryen? Mm. There have been some heated debates I've seen about the Night King's ancestry, and I think it's come down to either Stark or Targaryen. Targaryen Night King seemed almost like cheating. <laughs> well, speaking of, of cheating, uh, we were all really excited for the scene where we thought that John and the Night King were going to have a big showdown outside of Winterfell, and then the Night King just raises all the corpses and walks away. Like, <laughs> fuck you. That also does lead to another one of your predictions coming true, is that the Night King raises the dead in the crypts of Winterfell. Called it! I like that scene... Because it goes, John's like walking up there very determined, like ready to fight. And then it turns into a race to get to him before the dead can rise. Mm -hmm. And I like that shift of John's like settling himself in for this final duel to save the world. (laughs) And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. And he's just like bum (laughs) running as fast as he can to try to get there before the corpses. It's almost like he looked down at his watch and like, (laughs) oh shit, I'm late. (laughs) Oh no, there's only 30 minutes left in the episode? (laughs) Oh right, the Night King is a caster, not a fighter. (laughs) I mean, a good wizard should never be in a duel. So, unless it's a wizard's duel. Well, yes, but John can't do magic. That requires like an in score above ten. <laughs> I'm sorry for shitting on John constantly, but not that sorry. Do you want to talk about Theon, Alex? Because you've been real smug about it. Uh, I have been. I think getting into Theon means that we're moving into talking about our predictions from last week. And that kind of will finish off the episode. Are we ready for that? Sure. If you are, I'm fine. Okay. So our predictions, when we were making bingo sheets, we just put Theon as the free space. And everyone around us was like, mm, I'm not sure about that. But then we like broke you all down, apparently. Yeah, I just I decided it seemed like kind of the fun thing everybody was doing, and so I did it. I had it as a free space, but I, I went ahead and put Theon. Turns out I might as well just left it as a free space and let put him somewhere else because I wasn't <laughs> more use. But Yeah. Do we want to start live, dead, what we got right, what we got wrong? Let's do what we got wrong. All right, so what we got wrong, as far as deaths that we predicted incorrectly, Sam made it through despite our predictions. Yeah, go Sam. Which I'm happy about. I'm not sad at all that Sam made it through. It felt like if Sam was going to die, there was the best point for it. This whole episode, Sam was basically like a turtle on its back. Because every time they showed him, he was mobbed by whites, not killing any of them. And then like somebody would save him or they'd just go and they'd shift the focus. And they'd come back and he'd be in a different part of Winterfell covered in other whites. It was just like, what is Sam even doing? They were death baiting him the entire (laughs) episode. (laughs) We also incorrectly predicted that Tormund would die. I did that as well. Yeah. I uh, I was behind on listening to the episode, and today when I found out I was going to be on, I went to, back to listen, and halfway through I paused, and I messaged Jackson my predictions, mm-hmm. and I was 100% incorrect, so you are all already <laughs> far and above. So your predictions were Davos, Tormund, Gendry, Missandei, Sam Jr., Jon Snow, none of them died. And Podrick. I, I and added Podrick, Podrick, Podrick as an afterthought. Right. I took a punt on Jon Snow because I thought it would be really interesting if he died, and then it was Daenerys and Sansa fighting for Winterfell, like the, basically the North. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. The other death prediction that we got wrong was Sandor Clegane, the mm-hmm. Hound. Which I'll bet kind of wish that had happened. I feel like it would have been more satisfying. But eh. Yeah, I think Sandor, especially like being able to face his fears, realizing that he actually gives a shit about Arya. He has had enough character growth that I think his death here would have been completely appropriate. I think they're saving him for Clegane Bull round two. Yeah. yeah. Because I, everyone was so disappointed by the first one, I think they decided they're going to do it again and get it right this time, even though it's long past his time to go. Yeah. yeah. This is effectively the second time he's escaped death. Yeah. That means that the Lord of Light brought him back for Clegane Bull, which I can respect that. So... 
we had one prediction for people who would survive that was incorrect, mm -hmm. and that was Jorah Mormont. Unfortunately, the Tarly's ancestral sword was not enough plot armor. Mm -hmm. We partially thought it was because it was going to be Lyanna or Jorah, and we thought that Lyanna had less plot armor, but apparently we were wrong. Can we take just a second away and talk about the fall of Lyanna Mormont? God, that was so good. <sighs> I'm not even sad about it. No, it was so perfect. Liana going down, that stabbing a white giant to take it out. Pretty much the smallest fighter that Winterfell has taking on one of the biggest opponents. Well, Bella Ramsey, the actress, has gone on record as saying the thing that she'll miss most about Game of Thrones is that she doesn't get to shame grown men <laughs> on TV. And like, what is this? That's the perfect ending for that character who all they do is shame grown men is to take down a fucking undead giant by herself. As much as I hate to see Lyanna go, mm -hmm. yeah. if she had to, this was the way to do it. Right. And now that like it happened in like a small courtyard or section of the wall, so it was and everyone else around her was dead, so it was basically just an arena with Liana and a giant. Yes. The other deaths that we predicted for this episode were Barrack, who kind of died in place of the hound mm -hmm. for saving Arya. Much like Jackson said about Ed, I'm kind of not who cares. But Beric has never really been a player. And yeah. his arc was, I'm dead, now I'm not, now I'm dead, now I'm not. I'm going to sell children to <laughs> Melisandre for money so we can keep being freedom fighters. Yeah. He's already died multiple times. It felt like he was probably going to die again, and this time it was going to be final. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the big one, Theon, we correctly predicted, was going to die. So when Theon's running at the Night King, we're like, yeah, this is where Theon dies. But what if he doesn't? And I said, what if Theon's Zora High? I ship it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's this moment where Theon is like jerking around on the ground. And I almost thought like, wait, is Theon going to take out the Night King like just before he dies? I didn't think that they were going to give Theon that big of a death. And mm -hmm. they didn't. But for a moment there, I'm like... Could it be? I think he needed a little bit more as they're obviously building a redemption arc for Theon. And while trying to 1v1 the Night King <laughs> to, to help Bran, it just it felt like he needed to like get back up. Like a, a Boromir style death where mm. he gets got a lot of times trying to protect Bran yeah. at every turn. And he got got once and kind of like was on the ground and not quite dead. And we thought maybe he'd get up and then he didn't. I think... He just needed a little bit extra. Yeah. Just that, like, little bit of extra. Instead of getting stabbed, like, the Night King just kind of just pushes him away. Like, he's insignificant. <laughs> yeah. He gets back up and then gets stabbed, I think would have done it. They're trying to build this up. They have the scene with him and the all of the flaming arrows. Mm -hmm. And he, he keeps hitting his mark and he just runs out of arrows. And he just starts whacking people with his bow at that <laughs> point. And then there's even the scene where Bran comes out of his vision or warging and he's like, thank you, Theon. You're a good man. You deserve to be home. All of that is great. There's just, we needed a little bit more. I think maybe if the Night King, like to your point of like he's insignificant, is like, you can go. <laughs> and Theon doesn't like even yeah. move because our Yara gets taken and Euron's like, come and get her, and he jumps overboard. Like, Theon's always run away. Mm -hmm. And this time, it's like, the Night King's like, go. I know you. You can leave. And, <laughs> and it doesn't even consider it. Like, that would have even... Even then, just getting stabbed once and going down, yeah. it would have been 
a good end of a redemption arc. Mm-hmm. This episode was the first one where I got us into the Night King has like a personality beyond just like a, a ruthless force of death. Like there's a bit where I can't remember what it was. He like smiles a little bit when the flames from mm-hmm. Drogon clear and he's just mm-hmm. standing there. When he's unburned, he's like smirks. That was more chilling than like everything that came before. A scary thing in horror movies is the oh god it can think moment and the oh god it, it can be cruel was a really good bit for the Night King. Mm-hmm. You're saying he was unbowed, unburnt, unbroken. Yeah. I, I can't believe he was a sand snake all along. <laughs> I like in the Night King the way that like the physicality and the way that the actor was kind of doing head gestures and looking was very reminiscent of Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen movies. This mm-hmm. very alien like doesn't understand and is vaguely interested like oh the ants are fighting back an amusement at like oh how cute they're they're trying to play or something like that i just that was a really good choice for the night king as this holy alien other yeah Mm -hmm. the night king is also the only (laughs) character who what we put in the schrodinger box that actually died Mm -hmm. everyone else made it out safely and it was an amazing death the room that we were watching with everyone burst into cheers Arya jumping through the cold and the ice and the wind, getting caught by the throat. I thought I was going to die for a second, and my heart just dropped out of my stomach. My bingo card could have used it. (laughs) And then the camera drops down, and we see her free hand. She drops the knife and just shanks the Night King in in between his ribs. See, I thought Bran was going to have, like, thrown himself out of the chair and would be on the ground and was going to catch it and stab up. You actually had a great bit where you Bran's sort of sitting there as the Night King walks up and wait, what if he stands up? <laughs> like the long gone. Yeah, I mean I was joking, obviously, but it's like, I'm not even crippled. I just gets up and like shanks him. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, we've had seen Bran just gone completely out of the moment for so long. Like, he has to have some sort of plan. Like, we see him warg into some ravens earlier to figure out where the Night King is, but we never see those ravens again after that scene. And he's still just eyes completely glazed over. He's got to have some sort of plan. He's not just going to sit there and die. He mm-hmm. can literally see the future. He's looking for the future where they win. <laughs> Gods. I hope that that comes back in some way. Him sort of sitting there doesn't feel very satisfying. He could have been doing something else. but Yeah, yeah I'm hoping that we're going to get a little bit of a plot dump about some of the things that happened during the battle. Because they just didn't have enough time this episode. Mm-hmm. I was really anticipating we get about like 10 minutes of breathing room after the battle was over, but we barely even got that. I mean, Jorah Mormont dropped and that was the end of the episode, wasn't it? To Melisandre <laughs> right. walks out to meet the sun. <laughs> Here comes the sun. Little darling. Uh, she goes down. It's the musical. Jorah dies and then credits. Jackson makes up a good point. Whoever would have thought the Battle of Winterfell would be your musical episode? <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Not like in context, like the weird that she died. Like she comes in and Davos sees her and just starts booking it through Winterfell <laughs> to find her. And when they meet, she's like, don't worry, Sir Davos, I'll be dead by dawn. And then she doesn't die in battle. She just walks towards the sunrise, takes off her necklace, and then just like collapses a little farther away. Why? I hope we get explanation in the next episode, like, oh, that was the deal she made or something. But it just seems like she showed up, did her thing, it was like, all right, bye. And, like, put the necklace down and just walked off to die. Might have at least partially for us, the audience, to be like, yes, this is definitely over. Like, the person who is kind of, like, meant to be alive until this is done is like, she's gone. The Night King is definitely dead. There's not going to be a, like, Night King part two. 
it definitely feels like, you know, this is a song of ice and fire. The kind of embodiment of ice has died. Mm -hmm. The embodiment of fire must also. I mean, it's not going to matter. Next week she's going to be back as Melisandre the White, so. Listen, that, that should be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Grey Worm, as far as we can tell, is safe. Uh, I don't remember seeing him towards the end credits, but I doubt they would have killed him off screen. Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones, if anything, won't waste a chance to make you watch a character you like die yeah which is why like when bran and rickon died in quotes i knew they weren't dead like and even reading the book is like george R. R. martin will never kill a named character off page so i'm sure gray Worm yeah. was fine they even brought the actor for rick on back after seasons of him being gone just to kill him on screen for battle of the bastards i am kind of sad that uh sean bond didn't come back to be a white for like sean Bean. yep sean bond i'm sad that sean bond didn't come back to be a white for like four scenes and then go away that would have been really cool honestly we didn't get a whole lot of the whites in the crypts i wish we got a little bit more of that mm -hmm. i think it, it plays with the chaos of the battle outside it's much more of like the closed room mm -hmm. zombie thing of just bodies everywhere we see sansa and Tyrion hiding behind like a tomb and I really think that not seeing them made it a much tenser scene because it was just like animalistic noises and ripping and screams as they're yeah. hiding for their lives. Yeah, and we saw like flashes of people running around in the background behind them. We weren't sure if they were passing the knife back and forth as a go out now so we can't be brought back or we should go fight. And I'm glad that they went with the let's go fight option. That was a little more fun. I mean, if they hadn't, I would have just needed Jamie and Arya to die and I would have had a thing on. That's a sentence. <laughs> I'm not even sure like what happens <laughs> after this. Their forces are more than decimated. They've got maybe three or four dozen troops left in mm. Winterfell. And a lot of corpses. They can make a throne out of corpses. Oh, the bone throne. <laughs> <laughs> I meant it to be like the iron throne, but of bones, but it also the bone throne sounds like a way different thing. <laughs> That's my Tinder account name. <laughs> Cersei has the Kingsguard... Whatever forces she still has from before the truce with Daenerys, and now the Golden Company is here, plus all of the Iron Fleet. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, Danny only has one dragon. Like, I'm sure the other one's alive, but we, I don't think we saw it. It seemed pretty hurt. It might be, like, injured to the point of being out of commission. Yeah, yeah. like... Both dragons were injured. The one John was on was like taken down and crashed, but mm -hmm. we didn't like get a clear death. Yes. And then Drogon flew away covered in whites stabbing at him. Right. And that, that's what I mean is that like following the, the train of thought that we're not going to lose a dragon off screen. We know she has one. Yes. Mm -hmm. And one is still pretty good, but mm -hmm. there's still that ballista and a bunch of people and maybe a kraken. In the books, uh, there's this whole thing where Euron has, a, has like a horn that can summon krakens from the Oh deep. yeah, I forgot about that. I have a kraken to make uh, Euron an interesting character. Anyone else that we want to talk about that survived? Or who died? Or who told the story? I mean, we kind of talked about Daenerys. I know that you all have a lot of thoughts on her, so I don't know if you want to dig into her part of this. It wasn't a lot. They kept it a lot on the ground forces. Yeah, like, we had a few scenes with Danny. Like, she is fighting back some of the whites on her own and, like, with Jorah, but there's not a whole lot of, like, story stuff going on with Danny. Mm -hmm. We also see Danny afraid, which we have not seen for quite a while, mm -hmm. uh, and that's that was a little disconcerting. We did get some dragon fights. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Soup Girl? 
I, she lived, yay. Yeah, Soup Girl definitely lived. As far as I know, Hot Pie is also still alive for all of you Hot Pie fans out there. Present. <laughs> and accounted for. One thing I will say, they do a really cool shot where the Night King is bringing everybody back, including those who have died, like Liana. Mm-hmm. And they don't really do anything with like Liana as a white walking around. I'm kind of sad there wasn't like a thing where I know Davos had to find her or something. I'm honestly glad that was not the case. Opening the eyes and they're blue and like starting to get up, that's fine. But anyone having to fight Liana kind of, it feels like it cheapens her death. Mm. I can see that. Jamie wasn't really a player. I mean, he was. He was fighting yeah. with Sabrina and Podrick. But I mean, story-wise, like Arya and Bran and Theon... Were the only ones who were, really mattered? Yeah, they got like the story, like they got the moments yeah. and the arc, not arcs, but they got the scenes. Yeah, and then like in Melisandre, Sandor Clegane, yeah. Beric. Which I liked that. It's yeah. an interesting tactic in a the, the biggest battle episode of Game of Thrones to focus on like Sandor Clegane <laughs> and, and Beric Dondarrion and like not really John or Danny or, I mean, Arya Sansa was kind of a player, but mostly just in the crypt. She was more the character moments. Like, Arya was just being badass. Yeah. So many of, like, our named cast was just constantly swinging their swords and axes this episode and didn't have time to do anything else. They probably got to pay them less for that. You know, to keep the budget low for this episode, they probably did that so they didn't have to pay them as much. Yeah. Like, that's probably one thing. Because they had to spend so much on prosthetics and uh, CG for the dragons and the whites. And then even practical effects for, like, blowing up parts of Winterfell. Yeah. I think they did a good job of keeping some of their budget down. Like, the opening charge with the Dothraki and just the lights flickering Mm -hmm. out. Which is honestly better than if it was actually a fight scene. Yeah. There's a TV critic I heard once say the difference between action and spectacle and this was very much in the action category. Spectral is, look how amazing this looks. Like, look how good we did this. And this like was... Battle, like Battle of the Bastards is definitely spectacle. Sure. And this was much more like an action sequence. The, the effects were used, like the dragon fire, mm-hmm. was about the most expensive CGI effect I think they used. And they used that somewhat sparingly. I mean, they did strafing runs over that. The white dragon did some sprayage. But generally... Yeah. The effects seemed more practical, mm-hmm. and it was much more about the fight than it was. Like, look how amazing the CGI is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all that's left is three episodes of, um... Who ends up on the throne? Yep. With the exception of most of the armies at Winterfell being almost completely destroyed, the status quo hasn't really changed. We'll probably finally get more on the bronze subplot. Mm. Can I pitch for Westeros' next top monarch as the... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, okay. yes you can. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested to get back to like the politicking, which I think is kind of the bread and butter of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I get the idea being all of the petty politicking while this threat in the north looms. Now that it's gone, I'm ready to get back to the petty politicking, but on the grand scale of like this is the fight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll say it again, brother against brother yeah. kind of thing personal vendettas are going to be settled Mm -hmm. betrayals are going to happen Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm ready for game of thrones to get back to to king's landing and like honestly after this episode sure there's going to be tension but nothing like this yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of okay with it the rest is getting more character drama and less big end of world things like no matter what happens the the worst case scenario is the people of westeros have a shitty few decades while cersei cersei's a bit and a rebellion happens see i think you say that the tension won't be like this and while i agree i think the lows are going to be lower yes like Losing characters in this fight sucked because we really cared about them, generally. Yeah. <laughs> Barrack, not necessarily as much. But 
the lows are going to be lower now that like Jamie might have to kill Cersei or my thir- my idea that Brienne's going to kill Cersei so she becomes queen slayer mm-hmm. and now Jamie has to deal with that while the tension won't be as high I'm going to be much more like no don't make them do this yeah I think the tension won't be as high but the betrayals and mm-hmm. the choices the choices are going to be much bigger at this point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially since we're going to have to deal with the John Danny conflict coming to a head there's finally room to figure out how that's all going to shake I'm out. really interested to see just there's a part of me that thinks John will be like I don't want to be the king but there's also a part that's like, well, once he finds out Danny's not just going to like let the North be. I can see so many angles coming off of it that I'm excited to see how it goes. What's, it like, what's it like being the Three-Eyed Raven? <laughs> I can't really see John just backing down. He's Ned Stark's son, quote-unquote. Right. Especially since he's thought of himself as a bastard his entire life. He understands what it's like to not have that name, have legitimate parentage. Mm-hmm. And he has that now. I'm not quite sure if I can see him giving it up for, quote-unquote, the greater good. While he still thinks Daenerys is going to be a good queen, maybe he'd be willing to, because he knows. And, like, you know, you talk about Ned Stark being his, quote-unquote, father. I come back to the line, uh, Rhaegar Targaryen may have been his father, but he wasn't his daddy. <laughs> like, get, like what you're saying, and I think yeah. that's a valid point, and I, I could be equally wrong. I just, yeah. I think that John doesn't care about the Iron Throne yeah. as much as he cared about this. But once it becomes clear that Daenerys has gone off, then he's like, okay, yeah. well, I can't walk away. Yeah. I think the big if here is like, is Danny actually going to be a just ruler or mm-hmm. not? And I think so far the past couple seasons have been pointing towards answering that in the negative. I think mm-hmm. she would have been until she had to do what she had to do in Essos. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we're going to get two episodes that deal with the Iron Throne thing, and then Danny, then an episode where Danny starts ruling, and then mm. someone has to take her out, much like the end of Hunger Games four, and we kind of start everything over again with someone betraying the queen and starting a whole other civil Gendry. war. Gendry. The last Baratheon takes <laughs> the throne from the last Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see, and then see if she ends up doing some of the same stuff her grandpa did. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, we're going to get into theory crafting, and that's kind of beyond the scope of what we do here. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to end it for this week. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll put links to all your stuff in yeah. the description. They'll hear it, or we'll have heard it in the last episode of Gratuitous Pausing Proper. So mm-hmm. just put the links. You can find me at those places. And... Mm-hmm. Once again, this has been Gratuitous Thrones. Thanks for tuning in.